0: Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your holy written word that's a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And Father, we thank you, Lord, it's already been said, Lord, to make my tongue as a pen of a ready writer. Lord, I yield myself completely and totally unto you. And I thank you, Lord, that your word will come forth and demonstrations of the Holy Ghost will be made known. And I thank you for impartations of the Spirit of God that's going to take us to a higher level than ever before. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of seeing and knowing to come upon us all in a greater dimension and a greater way that we may see and know things supernaturally. And, Father, we thank you tonight that the Word will have free course, that you'll lead us, you'll guide us, and you'll direct us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That seems to be have been our keynote scripture, so we don't want to divert from that, do we? Just stay with it. It's good to see you all out this evening. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And again, we're not going to read all of it like we did maybe the first day or two, but just read a, a scripture here. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14. It says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they are foolishness unto him. Who is that? The natural person. The person that doesn't take time to get in the Spirit. If you want to hear from God, you don't have to. And I'm not pressuring you to do it. But if you want to hear from God, the way you do it is by getting in the Spirit. It's not natural, but it's supernatural. It's not natural, but it's spiritual that we hear Him and know His will. And we'll talk about getting into the will of God and our our hearing from God tonight, if that's all right with you. We'll, We'll include that in and incorporate it in by direction of the Holy Ghost as I was praying today. He was wanting me to share some of those things with you. He said, uh, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So if I want to know the things of God, I've got to be able to spiritually discern them, so I need to put myself in a position, isn't that right? In order to hear God's will and God's plan, and I know that's your goal, and that's why you're here, and God is not going to disappoint you. Because I believe tonight by the Lord, by what he said to me, that's going to come upon you, that's going to open up to you revelation on a new level. Dad Hagen used to say it this way, the spirit of seeing and knowing. That is what he prayed in his latter years. Many of the prayer meetings I was in with him and others were in with him. We were praying about the spirit of seeing and knowing to be in greater manifestation what I mean by that, it's actually the gifts of the Spirit in operation, revelational gifts. It's not something outside the Bible. It's something in the Bible. But God wants to know us. And he wants us to know him. He wants us to be acquainted with him in this day because we're going, this church is going up by direction, not my direction, but your direction, Here from God to Hebron. Is that how you say it? Hebron. Hebron. That's the direction and that's what it's been all about. Now, that's not the word I had, but it seems good to me, so I'm going too, amen. (laughs) And I believe from being, being there literally physically, I believe it was going up a little ways, going up to get up there to uh, Hebron, not a real steep place, but it was kind of, I remember being on the street in Hebron, and it was kind of a hill there. In fact, we, was, we, we had visited a school where the Palestinians came in and killed all the school children that was in, in class that day, the Jewish children. They just killed them and shot them dead, you know, and it's a real uh, <clears throat> area that you better know what you're doing <laughs> when you go in there, you know. And uh, be, you don't have to be afraid, but you'd be prayed up and ready to go up. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, prayed up and ready to go up. Amen? So, the Lord wants us to know Him. He don't want us to worship at a distance anymore. Amen. Amen. He wants us to become acquainted with Him so that when we get there, we already know who he is. Since somebody said, well, one day we're going to know him. He wants us to know him here. He wants us to become acquainted with him here. And I believe this in this experience is that we're moving into this, this move of God. Remember he said to me, and I believe, what was it, October the 30th? Is that what I said? I wrote it down, I read it, but I think it was October the 30th that uh, up here just uh, you know this year that he said to me over in Branson Missouri in one of our meetings it became revelation knowledge to me not something that i just thought up he said the church as a whole cuz he was talking to me too first of all i was a partaker of the first fruits of this first of all he he said to me he said uh, you've been working on the sending in about the power and the move of god to take place in this earth All the prophets of old prophesied about these days. They prophesied that what's going to happen in the last day, end time move of God, the great outpouring that would cover the earth and sweep in millions, perhaps billions of people into the kingdom of God. One last great outpouring before the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He said but the reason that you've already have not already have it had it is because that you have been working on the sending in you've been praying God send it God send it God send it God send it he said I won't send it I have sent it it belongs to you he said but the church as a whole is not in a position to receive it that's what he told me you're not in a position to receive it and so He gave me instructions on some things that I need to do and I've already started down that road and it's uh, just going to take me a while because the list is long, you know. (laughs) Maybe your list wouldn't be that long, but he's patient, he's loving, he's kind. And just let me share this with you too. Now all of us doesn't have the same call or the same requirements, you understand? So don't try to put off on yourself what God tells me to do That's right. because the Bible says to him, much is given, much is required. You understand? And that doesn't mean that we don't have requirements. We do all of us, but don't try to be like anybody else. You serve God on the level your own and you seek God on the level your own because all of us have different stations in life. You're not going to be able to do the things that I do, all the things that I do as far as seeking God. But God will make up for that by grace and his mercy in your life. Yes. Because he understands you live in a natural world. And there's natural things you got to do. If you got children, they got to be taken care of. If you got jobs, you know, you have to go to your job. Because the Bible says if any man don't work, he don't eat. And I can tell by looking at most of you folks... That you like beans and taters, I guess. <laughs> I said, Brother Andy, what about you? Well, that's another story. <laughs> I like them a lot.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. But don't get under condemnation, don't get down and out, don't get depressed, because you're going to have God's best. So what the Lord may ask me to do wouldn't be the same thing that he may ask you to do. Isn't that right? We all are doing the same thing, but maybe not the same quantity. You understand? If I have time to pray, you know, more so than you do, then the Lord may require me to do that. But that don't mean he's going to require you to do the same thing. You understand that? Because you might not be in a position to do so. So, have you got that? Yes, sir. Yes. Everything's going to be good. Yes. Are you going to make it? Yes. Are you prayed up, yes, sir. paid up, and ready to go up? <laughs> so, you be encouraged. You be strengthened in this day. Turn back to Exodus chapter what? 33. 33. This whole week, you've been trying to get me over to chapter 33 and finish up a few things here and tie up some loose ends, Brother Hagin would call it, and then share some other things, but I just want to share a few principles here, and I'm I'm not going to, well, I don't know, I don't want to say what I'm not going to do, that's the first thing you don't, (laughs) but, you know, I don't have plans in my head to do certain things, but the Lord has plans, remember, the camp, we, if you've been here with us and if not, you, you know, maybe other things happened, you weren't able to be with us or something I'd encourage you to get the recordings from the previous service, I, I think you can go right to the church website and, and they're already pre-recorded on there and you can just watch them right online and you'll get a lot more because we, we actually started in Exodus 32 from the first verse and we come down all the way through that chapter and we got over into Exodus 33 And so if we went back and tried to cover all of that, then we would be here for quite some time. And you know that I don't want Jesus to tell me what he told Moses and Aaron to tell Pharaoh. He told them, you go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. (laughs) (laughs) You get a lot of revelations in my service. I, I mean, you got wonderful revelations. Isn't that right? They say, so, Well, Brother Ren, are you time conscious? No, I'm not necessarily time conscious. But I do pay attention to things. I realize you work, I realize you do things during the day, and I don't want to wear you out. Now, I didn't used to have that revelation. <laughs> I always lived by the scripture years ago he that endures to the end shall be saved. <laughs> See how many revelations you get? But I'm thinking, believe it or not, I have, uh, well, it's questionable to some, but I have got common sense sometimes, <laughs> along with the Holy Ghost. And so we understand that there's things you have to do, and there's things, the season we're in, is kind of busy for you and things, but at the same time, God wants to give you a shot. Yeah. I mean, a Holy Ghost spiritual vitamin, vitamin B12. I used, to, I used to work out. Don't you try this. But anyway, I used to work out. You know, weights and everything. Bench press 400 and something pounds. Oh. Yes, don't make me do it again. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> and I could do pullovers more than I could bench. Wow. But I would go to this doctor and he would give me one of these vitamin B12 shots. And I'm telling you, when you woke up in the morning, you would bail out of that bed and say, hello, world, here I am. I mean, it made you feel like you had some spizzering buddy. I'm telling you. I know you're going looking for a shot now. I'm telling you, you're going. But the Holy Ghost can put something in you that makes you feel good too. So let's look at some principles right here. Remember, God had went outside the camp because of the disobedience of the children of Israel in Exodus chapter thirty-two. What did they do? They made that uh, golden calf, the bull that's called Apis, right? You know what you Apis, Apis, and remember, we all discovered and come in unison that you had to be an ape to worship that thing. (laughs) And so, but people actually, you know, to the extent, you know, Reverend Craig taught us that uh, it was to the extent how diabolical it was and a smack in the face of God that they actually believed that that thing was a creator of the heavens and earth. They didn't just worship it as an idol. They believed it was a creator and that it brought them up out of the land of Egypt so it separated them from God. Remember, we're talking about having a move of God and working on the receiving end. And that's what this whole meeting's been about is getting ready to go up in preparation to receive the move of God that God has for us because there are adjustments uh, that we need to make and all of us again are on different levels but the church world as a whole needs to make adjustments. It's not that God's arm is short that he can't send it. We're not in a position to receive uh, the power of God on the level like we've prayed but that's why we're preparing ourselves, and shortly it shall come. So anyway, remember when God was going to kill them all. Remember he told Moses on the mountain, you get down there and those people you brought up out of Egypt, remember it was their people, Moses' people, then it wasn't God's, he didn't even claim them. (laughs) He said, you better get down there and straighten them out. Well, Moses said, wait a minute, God, because God was going to kill them all. But Moses stood in the gap, became an intercessor, said, God, don't kill them, don't kill them. Because if you do, I mean, these heathens over here, I think you just brought them out here in the wilderness, in the desert like this, and you're just going to kill them all, and you're not really who you say you are. And I'm just paraphrasing, you know. And so he consoled God. And remember, God repented. It's in the Bible. He repented at Moses' request and arguing with the Lord, not in a sense of making him do something, but presenting his case. And then uh, when Moses come down and he seen those apes worshiping apis, then he got mad. I mean, he said, everybody that's on God's side, come over here. And he got the tribe of Levi, remember? The tribe, priesthood. He got them, said, come over here. And he said, put your swords on and then pull your swords out of your shelf and go through the camp and kill every one of them. I think he killed not everyone, but a lot of them, 3,000 men. That one day when Moses saw how bad it was what they were doing and how it separated from God, see, sin and disobedience separates people from God regardless of the popular message that God don't care what you do. It does separate And the flesh in itself, if you're more in the flesh than in the spirit, you're not going to be able to contain the power of God. And what God's power is in great manifestation, if you're not walking with God like you should, then it could wind up like Ananias and Sapphire. You know what I mean? They walked in the presence of a holy God and brought sin. Boom, they fell dead. And that's in the New Testament. So God wants to bring the glory more than we want the glory, I think. I think more than we want it. You know what I mean? But if we make this simple adjustment, quit working on the sending end, work on the receiving end, we're going to have the glory. And so when God didn't kill them all. Moses, of course, didn't kill them all. But then they pitched the tabernacle where God would dwell outside the tent. I think we discovered and had arguments and agreements and uh, figures and everything last uh, night or night before something uh, that it was approximately one kilometer, about three thousand feet outside the camp. Huh? Nine hundred and fourteen meters. Who knows what a meter is? Okay. The Bible says, let him that be ignorant, be ignorant still. So, I, I mean, you get, you get revelations in my service. I didn't know what a meter was, so I'm not, call, I'm, I didn't know. So 914. But the reason that's important to notice is because God did dwell in the midst of the camp. But now he said, I can't come in there. If I do, I'll consume you all. And it wasn't because he'd been a peace. He'd repented now. He's not going to kill them all. But because his glory and his holiness and his power, because the people hadn't totally been re-sanctified, it was a different day in that day. If he'd come in among them, all of them would fall dead. If they didn't qualify for it. And so he was outside the camp. So let's pick up after that happened and... Uh, Well, people, if you wanted to worship God, you had to go outside the camp to do so. Remember, Moses went out there, and then God came down and talked to Moses. And then Joshua, remember, stayed in the tabernacle. And that would be in uh, verse number 11 of Exodus 33. And let's start, though, with verse 12. And this is where I want to pick up and move right along here. It says, And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people... And thou hast not let me know whom thou will send with me. What did he say? You have not let me know who you're going to send with me because God had told him I'm not going up. Go back to 32 and get over 33. I'm not going up. Who's going to go then? Moses won't know. Who's going to go? How can, we need to talk about this. Because God said, I, I'll consume you if I go up there with you. That's why the tabernacle's outside the camp. 914 meters, 3,000 feet, one click, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> He's outside. He's a ways away. He's not close by. He's not right with them. And today, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord is outside the camp. He wants to draw nearer to us but he can't until there's adjustments made. I'm talking about in his glory and power. That don't mean that the Lord's not with us on a certain level, but I'm talking about in all his glory and all his power and all his anointing. He said, Moses said unto the Lord in verse 12, he said, you told me or I'm just paraphrasing to bring this people up and thou has not let me know whom you're going to send with me. How how am I going to do this? Says, yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. In other words, Moses is pleading his case. You said you know me by name. You've talked to me face to face because we read it earlier. Isn't that right? Yes. And thou hast also found grace in my sight. Because he said here, I know thee by name. That's what God said to him. And thou hast also found grace in my sight. Moses is reminding him of that. Isn't that right? I know you said, Father, that's what we'd call him, Father God. He said, you said to me that you know me by name, Moses, face to face, and that thou hast found grace in my sight. It still takes the grace and mercy of God. We're not against that. It's not works and working here and working there, but there are qualifications. Thank God for qualifications. And he said... In verse number 13, now therefore I pray thee. If you want God to go with you, you've got to pray and ask him to go. And that's what we're doing. We're asking God to go with us and asking him what adjustments that we need to make in order to go in to this place in the spirit. He said, now therefore I pray thee if I have found grace in thy sight. Look here. Show me now thy way that I may know thee. I would say one of the greatest deficits in the body of Christ is that prayer right there. Father, show me your way that I may know you. Isn't that right? I want your plan. I want your will. I want your purposes. I want your ways, not my ways that I might find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. God, this nation belongs to you. He's still pleading his case because he said, you ain't told me he's going up with me. He don't want to go without God because God said, I can't come up among you, I'll consume you. Remember, because of their sin and, and dancing around the golden calf and all that stuff. And look what God responded. Because of Moses' humility, how was he humble? He admitted that he wasn't capable of doing it alone. Moses admitted to God, I can't do it. If you don't go with me, if somebody don't help me, I, I can't do this. That's another prayer. I believe this mission in the church world. Especially among ministerial ranks, and I'm not attacking anybody, and I'm not saying this to everybody, but we need to admit that we can't do it without God. The problem arises is, is we're too educated, and we didn't figured out how to do it without God. And we got this thing rolling, you know, the church world as a whole. But that doesn't please God. So in humility, he's asking him. And he he exhibited that humility to God. I've got to have somebody to go with me. I can't go by myself. I don't know what to do. Show me your way that I may know you. I encourage you. Pray that prayer for yourself. Show me your way, Lord, that I may know you. It's short, but just pray it. It's okay. He don't mind you doing that. Just pray it in the name of Jesus. And he said here in verse 14, and he said, the Lord God said, "My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest." What's he saying? You ain't going to have to worry about nothing, buddy. Because of the way you prayed and the way you humbled yourself before me, the way you come to me, he said, "I'm going with you, and I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to take away all your worries." all your fears. And I'm telling you, in this place of rest, the glory of God is going to flow and the anointing of God is going to flow. We're going to get out of our works and things that we're doing in the church world, trying to work things up and work things out and labor at this thing. We're going to come into a place of rest as His glory comes upon us. Thank you, Jesus. That's what it's all about. And look at Moses' response in verse 15. And he, speaking to Moses, said unto him, God, Oh, I love this. He said, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. In other words, God, if you're not going, I'm not going. Yeah, Yeah, it's good. good. We need to stop, drop, and pray. And I remember, I'm talking to the church world as a well. whole. I'm just putting the yoke on your neck. Stop, drop, and pray. Say, God, if your presence is not going to go with me, I'm not going. Why? Because he realized all you're doing is going through the motions. Yeah. You're probably not going to make it. Not where they're going. If God don't go with them. Church, we've got to stop and tell God, If your presence doesn't go with us we're not going anymore. We're not going through the motions anymore. We're not reading books and reading prophecies about what people said would happen and not that we disparage that. We're not just going to read about it. We must have it. We want your presence more than anything else and if you're not going, I'm not going. I'm going to stay right here. Until you make the decision that you're going, God, go with us. Pray and ask him to go with us to fill us with his what? Presence. A tangible anointing upon our lives. Yes, we walk by faith and not by feelings, but it sure feels good to feel good. Isn't that right? to have a tangible anointing on your life. And we had it to measure, but I'm talking about a measure that his glory and power is upon us. Isn't that right? Yes. But notice Moses said, if your presence don't go with me, I'm not going. And that should be the attitude of the church world today. We're going to stop right here. We're not going through the mechanics of church anymore not going through the programs of church anymore listen there are programs there are natural things we do i'm not saying that but in other words we're going to get serious with god yes. say god we must have your presence we must be desperate desperate enough to change not to remain the same but changed how by his glory by His Spirit, and how? By His presence. Amen. He said, if you're not going up there with me, and your presence is not going with us, you know where the problem has arisen over the last years? That we've actually went on without Him. That's the, right there. the Laodicean church age that Jesus spoke of in Revelation chapter 3. He said, you say you're rich and increased with goods, Jesus said. But he said, you know not that you're wretched, you're miserable, you're naked, you're poor, and you're blind. <laughs> I can see granny now. I would <laughs> make you twist some, you know what I mean? Talking about twisted and shouting, that'll do it right there. And that was from Jesus Why did he tell them that? Because he loved them. He wanted to tell them, you're on the wrong path here. You've got it all together. You say, well, I know how to do this. I've got this and I've got this. i got my little thing here. I know how to do this. I'm a great orator, a great speaker. I can do this. And I say this as kindly as I can, but anybody that's trained enough or studied enough can take the Bible and give a good book report from it. There's a difference between preaching a Holy Ghost anointed message and just giving a book report on something you read in a book called the Bible. There's a difference. But it only comes with the anointing. And that's where we're headed. Isn't that right? All of us are moving into it. but he said if you're in the presence go not with me carry us not a pence and that was a a desperation prayer that was a determination prayer it was also a prayer of humility I'm not going one step without you I heard uh, either heard him say it or read it in his book so I don't want to lie about it but Reverend Earl Roberts you know Reverend Richard Roberts ministers here but it was his daddy I remember either, either I heard it on a message that he preached, you know, on a cassette back then, you know. I read it in one of his books. That he would be in this large, you know, he had some of the largest healing meetings in the United States. I, 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 he might have come up into Canada. I don't know, did he? Yeah. Brother Richard would know. His son would know. But anyway, had some of the largest healing, healing meetings, I guess, in the United States. Miracles. But this is what I would, I read that he would stay back behind the platform and the big, he had big tents, you know, had big tents because they didn't have facilities like we do today, like arenas and coliseums and things like that that would seat the people, you know. And uh, he would stay in the back in a prayer room while the people were out there singing. And he would tell God, similar to this, if you don't go out there with me, I ain't going. If you don't go with me, I can't go. Oh, God. And he would just kneel down and pray and intercede because he knew in his own ability he was incapable of seeing the miracles. But when he come out from behind that tent, in fact, it got so serious at times, this is what I read, so serious at times uh, that his personal assistants would come back because he was back there so long. And they would say, Brother Roberts, But the people are out here waiting. He said, we didn't sing. He said, I'm not going till I sense God's presence on me. And he said, when it comes on me, I'm going, go back out there. That's why he walked out on that platform in all humility and God's power would flow through him. He knew where his help come from. He knew he needed the anointing of God. And I mean, just any kind of miracle you could imagine as far especially in healings would happen in his meetings. Happen. It's amazing. Brother Finney. Y'all remember Brother Finney? Did you ever talk to him? <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't either. <laughs> I see maybe a a cotton top or two, but I don't think they talked to him. Now. <laughs> no disrespect. No disrespect. But, uh, uh, but Brother Finney, this is what it said about him. He, they said that he was one of the, uh, his meetings were some of the greatest revivalists. He was one of the greatest revivalists of more people came to the Lord under his ministry and then stayed with the Lord throughout their life than any other ministry on the planet, including Mr. Moody, if you study his, meetings. even though Mr. Moody got a lot of people saved, history proved, and studies proved, that a lot of them fell away in time. And, and there's nothing wrong with I'm not knocking Mr. Moody, you understand. But I, I began to think about that when I learned this. They, they taught us these things in Bible school. You study history and remember and do hysterical things, you know, and all... Remember, pastor? But he, he gets us over and helps us. But there was one thing about when he went into his meetings. Remember Father Nash? You know the story? Father Nash would go before him, and uh, he wouldn't even pay staff or nothing. And he would just go before him, and he would get a, a room, sometimes in a room in the house, and try to find at least one or two that would help him pray. And he would get in this room and he would begin to pray to the point that he'd get over so far over in the spirit that all he could do is groan and travail in the spirit as the spirit of God took him over. Praying about the salvation of souls and the power of God. One day, this lady came and looked up Mr. Finney that was coming to town to do the meeting and said, to Mr. Finney, Mr. Finney, He said, there's a man named Mr. Nash that's in my boarding house. He said, he's been in this room and he said he has not come out for any meal or anything and I hear strange sounds coming out of his room. So I went up and put my ear to the door and he's in there groaning, groaning and I'm concerned something's wrong with him. And Mr. Finney kind of giggled. He said, no ma'am. He said he's just got the spirit of intercession on him. Yes, right. Leave him alone. He'll be all right. My Lord, my God. I believe for every minister, there are intercessors. Yes. I believe there's prayers. I got a pray, prayer team and I appreciate the prayer team. I, I imagine Amen. some of them are watching tonight. That helps me because I couldn't do it. Amen. And I asked the Lord to give me somebody to help me because I couldn't do it by myself. Yes. And then... Mr. Finney, in his meetings only, just in his meetings, what he would do, he would get up at 4 a.m. every morning, just while he was in his meetings. It didn't mean he'd done it every day of his life. And look, wait a minute, too. I'm not putting this on you. Remember, to him, much is given, much is required. But he would get up of his own free will and volition, and he would pray from 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock every single morning he would pray but when he got up to preach what would happen people would climb in the trees because they, you know they didn't he wouldn't own no platform or if he was it was a small one and they'd climb in the trees because so many people would come so so many miracles happened and he would tell them come down out of them trees because once he started preaching the power of god would fall and God's presence would come and the people, if they were in the trees, they'd be slain in the spirit and fall out on the ground. <laughs> like a ripe coconut off a coconut tree. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. But I say that to say this. They knew where their help come from. Yes, and they said, if you go not with me, I'm not going. Just in a different way. But that's what they did. Dad Hagen, Dr. Dufresne, name it. Reverend Nancy, whoever you want to name. Anybody that's walked in God's power has learned that they can't do it without God. And they have to spend time in His presence. And they say, Lord, if you go not up with me, I'm not going to go. Oh, I believe the Lord loves that prayer, Woo-hoo. and He wants to manifest Himself to all of us. Isn't that right? Yes. And remember, there's no condemnation. Nothing. You don't have to get up at four o'clock in the morning and pray to eight. You got to get up at two. <laughs> <laughs> Look, brother Randy, I don't know about this. Huh? I need one of them B12 shots you was talking about. <laughs> no you find your station in life and serve God from that position don't try to be me don't try to be Mr. Finney you understand don't try to be Brother or Roberts or Brother Richard Roberts or anybody else find out how God wants you to do it and you do it that way because you're going to come out is this encouraging us it's encouraging me so I'm just going to grab a hold to his hem of his garment and if he starts to walk away he's going to have to drag me <laughs> you ever seen the little toddlers wanting to be with mama and mama starts to walk away and little toddler grabs a hold you know and slips down and just hangs on and they drag him across the floor wanting mama wanting daddy oh if you will just get a hold to his train it fills the temple and just say, God, if you walk away, you gonna have to drag me with you. I'm going where you go. I'm not going without you. Lord, I gotta have your presence. I've gotta have your glory. Amen. I'm telling you, God is raising up men and women. Some of them are sitting here. Some of them are out there. But God's gonna raise up men and women in this day that's gonna have so much of the power of God that you're not gonna be able to stand within six feet of them. Remember when Jesus, they come to arrest him in the garden of Get Some Money? I have to ease this stuff in on you. You know what I mean? I said, Brother Randy, I thought it was Gethsemane. Well, I need an interpretation on me anyway. Remember when they come to arrest him? And he, he said, we come to seek Jesus, you know. And he said, I am he. Just those three words caused them all to fall backwards and fell down on the ground. It's in your Bible. Because the power of God was on him. And that's the power we've got to have to reach this generation. That's the anointing we've got to have to shake up Ottawa. I tell you, this is a power we've got to have. We can walk in Parliament then. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Parliament then don't make me walk in Congress my God I feel it I tell you the truth I feel it don't make me walk in Congress that's what we call it down there you call it parliament up here my God I'm telling you God wants men and women he's challenging you calling you remember find your place and he's going to anoint people in this day with God's mighty power, with his mighty anointing. You know how I know I saw it in the spirit. I had a vision just a while ago. Amen. Amen. I saw it. I saw it supernaturally. And I described to you exactly what I saw. I saw it in the spirit, had a spiritual vision and I described to you in English what I saw. And I'm telling you, it's right here. This is what I mean, right upon us. We're closer than we think. This journey that we're on, this church is on, others are on if they know God, I didn't to be long, I don't believe. For we start stepping into some of these things. You know, and again, God's got different places for different people at different times and you just have to go with where God leads you and guides you. But we're coming into this power as we get to the point that we say, God, I'm not going without you. Remember, the problem has arisen. And again, I'm not trying to put anybody down or lift myself up. Because I'm just in the shape that anybody else is in. But we have done it without God. We have not required that God go with us. In fact, forgive me for having to say this. Dr. Frank wouldn't say it that way. (laughs) forgive me for having to say this but many have said if you don't go I'm going to go anyway And and they have but they're not walking in God's way I speak to them in Jesus name come back to God's way come back it's not just them it's me too I need God We need God. Isn't that right? I mean, he wants us to have the power in our midst. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 15, if your power, your presence doesn't go with me, carry us not up hence. In other words, we're not going without you. And that's a good place to be. And that's in Exodus, remember, 33 verse 15. And then he goes on to tell them, what would be good, Moses did. He said, for wherein shall it be known here, and this is verse 16, that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not in that that thou goest with us? In other words, when you go with us, what will happen? So shall we be separated. We'll be different from anybody else on the planet. Isn't that right? We'll be different from the world around us. We'll be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Why would they be different? Because God's presence was with them. God's anointing would be upon them. And then the Lord said unto Moses, Boy, he's waxing eloquent. But if it had been with us when we read the other part, we know that God makes candles too, you remember? (laughs) But he said, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. Why? For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. How did all this happen? How did he find grace, and how did he know him by name? Because Moses requested the presence of God. He humbled himself before God. He sought God's face. Isn't that right? And he said here, and he said, You have found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. That's what he's saying, Moses. In verse 18, And he said, he got bold, He said, I beseech you, I ask you, show me thy glory. It's not wrong. That's a prayer that we can pray. Show us your glory. We don't want to worship you 3,000 feet away, 914 meters away, a kilometer away. We want to see your glory. We want you to come back into camp and dwell with us. We want your power and your presence to be upon us. We want your anointing. Even though we've read the stories and read the prophecies and read about what happened in times of old, Lord, we've got to have you now. And we desire you now. He said, show me thy glory. And the Lord responded in verse 19. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord which is Jehovah before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face for there shall no man see me and live. What is he talking about? He's talking about nobody could see his full glory. They couldn't stand it. Not in the physical body. It wasn't because Moses talked to the Lord face to face. He's talking about here in my humble opinion that he would not be able to see all of God's glory because he couldn't stand it. It wasn't that God didn't want to reveal it to him. Moses wasn't capable of receiving it. And none of us in our physical body are capable of receiving all of God's power. (laughs) because <laughs> the Bible already said he talked to him face to face isn't that right yes. And remember he, when he went into the tabernacle outside there remember he talked to the Lord face to face he went up on the mountain so it wasn't just seeing the Lord it was, he wouldn't revealing to him all of his glory because Moses said let me see your glory he already saw the Lord isn't that right yes. so this is something different In other words, let me see your power Let me see this manifestation. Let me see how great you are. Let me see how wonderful you are. The creator of the heavens and the earth, let me behold you, Father. Show me your glory. So when he said, no man can see my face to live, which means I believe this and I believe it to be true. You'll have to go to heaven with me and find out I'm right. (laughs) I'm joking. But but I believe what he was saying is this, that you can't see all of my glory because you can't contain it. Because Moses didn't ask to see his face. He asked to see his glory. Isn't that right? He wanted God to reveal himself completely to him. He said, I can't do it. Even though I'd like to. You can't stand it. He said, there can, and he said, verse 20, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. He said, Brother Randy, where would you get all that definition at in that verse? It's interpreted in the Holy Ghost. Smith Wigglesworth said he interpreted the Bible in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) He did. And he said, verse 21, And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and that shall stand upon a rock, and that shall come to pass, while my glory passes by. Notice his glory, not his face, but his glory so you got to interpret it in the light of scripture it wasn't that Moses just wanted to see his face he wanted to see his glory totally revealed he said it shall come to pass when my glory passes by that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock we sing a Pentecostal song something about cleft in the rock my brother something, something like that Anybody? cleft, cleft, cleft <laughs> cleft, yeah, cleft, see That's the interpretation. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Hey, I'm starting concerts. My Lord. (laughs) It's been a week of concerts here. I'm telling you, people have been singing these songs. Thank God for it. He said, I will put thee in the cleft of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. Why did he have to cover him with his hand? because Moses could not stand the full impact of God's glory God's full anointing wasn't because he didn't like Moses it's because he loved Moses yeah, that's right. and if he seen all of his glory and he revealed all his glory then Moses would have fell dead pew, right there and God still needed him a while <laughs> yeah. just remind him of that when he starts pouring out the glory now God remember you need me you know You need me. Put me in the cleft of the rock, but I want to see you pass by. (laughs) In verse 23, he said, I'll take away mine hand and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. And what he's talking about, I believe is all of his glory that would radiate out of him. Remember when Jesus went on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, and Moses and Elijah showed up. But notice, and this is what I want to point out, regardless of what you believe about that, it doesn't matter. What I want to point out is that Moses made the choice that I'm not going if God don't go with me. And I want God's presence more than I want anything else. God had told them they was going to a promised land, a land of milk and honey and everything that would contain riches, wealth, possessions they had not had for 430 years, them people had been in bondage. But Moses said, Lord, I don't care about any of those natural things. If I can't have your presence, I don't want them. And I don't want to go. In other words, nothing was standing between him and God. Now, in his presence, then there's fullness of joy and treasures and blessings forevermore. And we know that. Isn't that right? So, the question that you stayed up last night that you wanted to ask, and then you thought about it today, you know. And then you got here tonight and said, if I get there, I'm going to ask that preacher You know, he'd been a yelling and a hollering and a carrying on and having us be singing in church and all that kind of stuff. uh, But I'm going to ask him this question. If I could just get there. Well, you're here. And say, well, what question did I want to ask you, Brother Randy? I'm going to tell you. The question that you wanted to ask me is what do I need to do to have a relationship with God like I never had before. Do you remember you asked that question? I'm glad you asked because the Holy Ghost has given me the answer. I didn't give the answer. The Lord gave the answer. This is some simple steps. Okay, simple. Anybody can do them. No pressure, not forcing anybody. If you don't want to do them, as long as you're born again, you are still going to heaven. So there's no pressure, you know what I mean, on anybody. But the first thing you do to get into the spirit and really know God is to know and pray His Word. Yeah. Many times in knowing God and understanding Him, you know, we pray to know Him. We do pray in the natural with our natural understanding. But one of the most effective ways that I have found in my life, and not only for me, i found, but others, your pastors have and ministers here have and ministers that are watching have, but one of the most effective prayers that you can pray that will help you come from the natural and God will help you into the Spirit is found in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3. So turn there. Simple little steps, isn't that right? Brother Hagin said this, and this is where I learned this, and I started practicing this. In my life, and remember, there's no pressure. These are simple little steps because we've been talking about having God's glory and having the anointing and and everything. But if we don't give some steps, Amen. you know, and some principles yeah. to keep us going in that direction, then we would just be uh, uh, leaving, wondering what should I do. Yeah. So we don't want to do that. In Ephesians chapter one, verse number sixteen. From verse 16 down to verse 23, there's a prayer there that the Apostle Paul prayed for the believers. Isn't that right? Verse 16, he said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So he said, what is his prayer? It's that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you. And so what you do is you take this and you make it personal. You say, Father... In the name of Jesus, I pray that you'll give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. What you're doing is you're praying naturally a spiritual prayer. Yeah. This was written by the Holy Ghost through the Apostle Paul. So it'll help you come from the natural realm into the spiritual realm because his words are what? Spirit and they are life. So this is a spiritual prayer even though you're praying it naturally meaning in English you're praying this prayer in English it is helping you move over into the spirit. And you're asking if you'll go through here you're asking God to help you to understand him understand your inheritance understand his ways and teach you and train you. Isn't that right? And so if you'll pray this prayer this prayer here and and again it goes down to verse 23 and you can make it personal and I'm sure most of you have been doing this or know about this but a lot of times things we know is not necessarily what we practice you yeah. know what I mean yeah. okay. but just how often do you pray it well periodically sometimes I pray it you know four or five so I don't just count it Four, five, six, seven times a day I was walking around in the hotel room with my hands lifted, praying this prayer right here. So really, after all these years, you're praying in prayer? Yes. Because once you get to a certain level in God and think you've done arrived, you find out how much you have not arrived. <laughs> the more you learn, the more you see you need to learn. And ask Him to do that. You know what I mean? And ask Him to help me. So we want to pray that prayer. And then in Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 14 another spiritual prayer. You speak with natural or English words. But there's spirit in life so it's going to help you get into spirit. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul is about to pray. pray, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you. He's praying for somebody else, but you could say it this way. Father, I pray that you had granted to me, according to the riches of your glory, that I be strengthened with might by your Spirit in my inner man. That Christ would continually dwell in my heart by faith. That I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and height. That I may know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. That I might be filled with all the fullness of God. Woo! Now unto you that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think according to your power that's at work in me. Woo! How about that? Turn over to Philippians chapter 1. It's another prayer here. Philippians chapter 1 verse number 9. And again, this is just something to get you started in that direction. You understand it. and will encourage you. Verse number 9 says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may prove things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense, and then Phil, it goes on down through here. And you can see where he stops if you go down through here. But I'm not going to take the time to read all of it. But there's another prayer. that's a spiritual prayer that you pray with natural or English words, you speak it out in your known tongue and pray that prayer and it will help you get into spirit and also God will answer that prayer. Amen. Isn't that right? Amen. Then turn to Colossians chapter 1. Now there's others but these are some good ones and I'm not saying I'm limiting you to this but Colossians chapter 1 verse number 9. Remember it was Philippians 1, 9? This is Colossians 1, 9. The Apostle Paul through the Holy Ghost says, For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. that goes on down through there. You can pray that prayer naturally, starting off in your English language. Pray that prayer, but just make it personal to you. Father, fill me with the knowledge of Your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that I might walk worthy of that that you have called me to. So here we pointed out, pointed out just four simple prayers. And again, the reason I point these out, I know that probably everybody here already knows them. But if you don't know them, then you know them now. And if you do know them, you're reminded of them now. Isn't that right? So you can pray those prayers on a continual basis. You know, just pray them continually as you're able to. And have time, pray those prayers. Why? Because it'll help you to move over into the Spirit. So the first thing that we're going to do, the first step we're going to take that's going to encourage us is we're going to pray these prayers now. That doesn't mean that we don't pray for others. You can actually take these prayers and pray them for other people. In fact, the Lord has had me do that. Pray it for other people. So their eyes, their understanding would be enlightened that they may know Him. Right? Right? Now, there's another thing that you're going to run into when you start praying and seeking God. As you go, and I know that you've probably already far surpassed this, but if you're not, it's going to help you. So we don't want to over, you know, go past anything that might hinder you moving into the fullness of God. When you begin to pray and ask God for things, sometimes, and it wouldn't be us, but I have been there. I'm guilty of myself uh, I, in times past before I knew better. I was guilty of asking God for something all the time, but never worshiping him mm-hmm. yeah. and never thanking him for what he'd already done. And I didn't mean to. I didn't even realize I was doing it. I mean, I, I, I considered myself to be thankful, but can I tell on myself? You like for me to tell on myself? Oh, would you rather me tell on Reverend Craig? I mean, <laughs> let me tell on myself here. I was a, a pastor I pastored a prison convict church. That's why I always tell Reverend Craig I have served my time as a pastor.
1: <laughs>
0: well, we had church seven days a week. <laughs> and, and every time I preached, I know I was a. Excellent preacher. Why? Because I had a captive audience every time I preached. (laughs) (laughs) They were captivated. (laughs) Now maybe a little twist on it, but you understand. (laughs) But one thing, one thing that I knew is that I didn't know anything. I didn't know what to do. I, I, I sensed an inadequacy in my life that I couldn't do it without God. And so you really had no private place to go pray and get along with God. You know, you could walk the yard, but you still got people out. So I got special permission from Captain Felton Crumpton that every time before the church service started, they would let me in seven minutes before anybody else seven can you talk to God in seven minutes and get an answer from God if you develop your spiritual life you can this is how I come to know something that's going to help us all and you probably already know it but it'll help you because if you just constantly ask God to give you something and give you something and don't worship him and thank him and praise him the day will come the door will close I approved it. And I would go in. They'd let me in seven minutes. "There's old key. Remember, so big old brass key. I remember that big brass key. They'd carry them on their side with this ring, and they'd cling and clang and all that. And they'd go up to this door, and it had a lock like this, and they'd stick that key in there and turn it like that and make that keeper come back. And then they'd put me in there and lock me in. And there was a, a bench over in the corner. It was a church. This is what was actually the visiting room because we didn't have a chapel or nothing to meet in at that prison. But there was a little benches that the Methodist church had, had given to us to have, you know, the seats sitting on wooden ones. And they had a, a little short one. I called it the mourner's bench. <laughs> they used to have mourners would come to get the door. You know. Anyway, it was the mourner's bench. And it was setting up in the corner in the front. As soon as they let me in that door, I'd make a beeline towards that bench. I would kneel down on my knees and get out on my face and I'd stick my head under that bench. Why? I found out God lived under there. <laughs> he was down there waiting on me. And I would go down there. Listen, that's just where I went to and started seeking God. And of course, you know he didn't live down there. <laughs> but he met me on my level and he'll meet you on your level. That was my way of humbling myself. And something about putting my head into that bitch, I don't know why. You know, Brother Seymour would sit out there with a box on his head. You ever read about the Azusa Street Revival? Put a box on his head. They said little mischievous little boys would go up and look up under there. (laughs) You know how y'all are. You know, but look up under there. But when he took that box off his head, he had heard from God. In fact, one of the old dear saints that I read a book about and, and actually met Brother Tommy I don't know if you've ever heard the Azusa Street book, I bet Brother Tommy, that wrote that book, that got the reports and all that from it. But uh, he, would, he would talk about and it, it was asked some of the old saints who was there, "When did the power lift on Azusa?" Some of the old saints said, the ladies. It says, when Brother Seymour stopped put, putting the box on his head, the power lifted. Wow. Wow. So, I expect you, Reverend Taylor, to have a box back out here. <laughs> Don't hinder the power, brother. So I put my head under that bench. I'm trying to move along here, and you're dragging me back. You, know, you keep pulling me back. But anyway, I put my head under that bench. And every time I'd put my head under that bench, I mean, sincerely, you know, I've been praying and all that stuff, but now I'm coming, Lord, I, I got You got to show me why well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to minister. I don't know what to preach. If you could call it that. I used to read Brother Higgins' books, you know, and, and get to shouting about it. And the page would flip. And I wouldn't know what else to say. And I'd say, bow your heads and pray, boys. God's here. You know what I mean? And I'd find the page and say, take off again. Because It was good. And I'd go down, and the God would tell me, He said, I want you to start the service with this song. I want you to uh, turn to this scripture. And he, He would do stuff like that, you know, just to get me going. But I went in there one day, after months of doing it this way. I went in there one day. I got seven minutes. Seven minutes. And I put my head under the bench. I said, oh, Father. I said, what do I need to do today? Father, uh, what I need to do. And always, 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 every other time when I stuck my head under there, it was like the presence of God came on me. But that day, it didn't. I mean, I sensed a tangible anointing that would come on me when I put my head, but that day it didn't. So I was immediately shocked. And I thought, well, what is it? What have I done wrong? And then I started pleading with the Lord. I said, Lord, we ain't got but about four minutes left here. And I'm going to open that door and I don't know what to do. I said, Lord, please tell me where I'm wrong. And this is what he told me. Are you ready? He said, it's time for you to grow up. He said, every time you come and put your head under this bench, you always ask me for something, but you don't ever worship me and thank me. I said, oh God, oh God. I said, Lord, what do I do? Turn to Psalms 100. He gave me this chapter underneath that bench and it works. And he told me to obey this verse. God supernaturally told me to obey this verse. He said, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Verse 4 is the key. Enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. And into his courts with what? Praise. Be thankful unto him. Listen. There are gates. Thanksgiving opens the gates of God so you can approach his courts. I'm telling you, I proved it. And I'm still proving it today from way back in that prison in 1984. God, this is a key that will unlock a gate when you begin to thank God. He said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. But you can't go to the court till you unlock the gate. That's good. Come before his presence with thanksgiving and he's going to walk up to that gate with that big brass ring, key rings on his side. And he's going to pull that key and he's going to open that gate. He's going to pull it back and come in. Woo! Yes, I've proven it. God told me this. He said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That's the way you start in. And then into his courts, if you want to go further, with what? Praise. Which means adoration. It means worship. And then he said, while you in the court, do what? be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. This is one of Brother Hagin's favorite verses. For the Lord is good. It was, you know, it may be still over there. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. So if you want to unlock the gate to go into the spiritual courts, you go with thanksgiving. And when you start getting through that gate of thanksgiving, you'll sense his presence. And and if you don't, just keep doing it. Just keep thanking him. And then when you get into his courts of God, you just start praising him and worship him and glorifying. And then once you get in there, you're going to have a relationship with him. You'll have, I'll tell you this. As you develop this, and, and some of these things just don't happen overnight. There's no pressure on anybody, but if you'll develop this in your personal life, and, and I'll tell you, you'll have a personal experience with the Lord. He'll visit you. What I mean is, he, he may not appear to you. I'm not talking about that, but I'm not saying he couldn't. But you will sense his presence. He'll make it's his presence. He'll make himself so real. Yes. It'll be tangible upon your physical body. All right, so we know that we pray natural prayers with English words to help us enter in. But if you're constantly just asking for something and without thanking Him and worshiping Him, you're not going to go further. Yes. So we pray those prayers. Then we come in with thanksgiving, number two. Isn't that right? Yes. Amen. And worship and praise. And then number three, simple steps. This is from the Lord. Now, not me. I was praying today, and He reminded me of this. Step three. Are you ready for this? Yes. Be consistent. Amen. That's good. Just be consistent. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. And listen, when I'm saying being consistent at at meeting with the Lord, everybody has different times, and you know. But just have, con, consistently do these things. In other words, don't just uh, you know pray at one time and not do it again for six months. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying. And, I, and I'm not telling you you've got to pray for 24 hours a day or nothing. But this is what I discovered about the Lord. The way it is with me, you know, I like to meet with him in the morning times and I, I like to talk to him all during the day, but, but that don't mean you have to. You may be a night person. You know what I mean? Whatever. But I found out if you could, uh, you know, and I know different people have different things. You may do shift work. I don't know how to do it around here, but, but if, it seemed like the more consistent you are in your timing with me the easier it is for me to get in his presence it's like he's waiting on me when I get there he's waiting on me where have you been I've been sitting here waiting on you so again when I say consistency no it's don't just do it today and then again three months from now because you won't develop that relationship that way Consistency is the key to success. Yes. Amen. Just being consistent in your prayer life. Amen. Be consistent. Just do it. And, and if you can, I'm not saying you have to. There's no pressure. But if you can find a, a, a time that fits your schedule and your lifestyle, and you can fit it in, and something may arise and you can't do it, you know that's understand. The Lord understands. He'll wait on you he'll wait on you I said he'll wait on you but if you'll just be consistent at it and can do it consistently this is what I'm talking about just consistently now let me tell you something else there may be things he shows you that I haven't told you and he may he may want you to inspire you to do something a little different do what he says be led by the spirit of God not by me I mean, but I'm just telling you, this is an inroad into God's courts. Amen. Yes, Amen. It's not talking about just a physical thing, we're talking about a spiritual thing. And I'm telling you, we're going to all know the Lord from the least to the greatest. Amen. From the little toddlers on up to the big boys. Circumference. That's <laughs> <a comforts. laughs> what I'm talking about. But God wants us to know Have you been encouraged? Yes. I have been encouraged. Amen. Have you been strengthened? Yes. Have you received revelation? Yes. And I know this, don't even have to ask it, but you're going to practice it. Yes. Because the only reason the Lord shares this with us is not to condemn us. If you hadn't been do it, there's no condemnation. If you, if you get into a situation you can't, You know, be consistent for a few days, and the Lord understands that too. But at least you know, have Him in mind as you go along. But the more consistent that you can be, the quicker you'll get there. It's just up to you, you know. And no pressure. I'm not saying you've got to pray 40 hours or nothing. Start off with just praying a certain amount of time, and just commit to praying that whatever it may be. And then as you go. I can tell you what will happen if you want to know. <clears throat> you'll get to the point <clears throat> as you do this consistently that somebody will have to come drag you away from where the Lord is. Because <laughs> you'll want His presence more than anything else in this life. Smith Wigglesworth, what was his statement? He said, I'd rather have the power of God on me for what, 10 minutes? Than to own the world with a fence around it. That's hard to conceive unless you've been where He's been. Oh, because when you're in His presence, everything that the world has is yours. Because He owned the world in the fullness thereof. Isn't that right? So I believe, of course, you listen to your leaders, your pastors, don't listen to me, but I believe this is a message for Hebron. I believe it is. For my life. I mean, that's your pastor's vision. That's what he received from the Holy Ghost and that's the way we're going. But if you're going up there, I'm going too. Because I know Pastor Jenny's concerned about him because she told me about him today. Took her over there to Hebron and all them people with their machine guns everything. (laughs) Took her up there he went over there in Israel and took her up there and she said, oh my God, where are we going? All these it is dangerous over there. He didn't even have enough sense to know it was dangerous. <laughs> she said, he said, oh, I read the reports and I checked in my spirit and she was thinking, oh my, oh my God. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to close if you'll let me. But I want to say this. And I don't want to say this just because they're sitting here. But these people right here, your pastors, operate in the Holy Ghost. They've got your best entrance at, at, at heart. They speak highly of you and believe in you when I'm around them. There ain't nobody i found so far has been a scoundrel. It's amazing. You couldn't have any better pastors anywhere in the world than you have right here. Now, don't make me come back up here. Because if I have to come back, I'm going to scatter parts everywhere. When the offerings received for the pastors for their Christmas, I expect it to be so big. <clears throat> Brother Greg, Brother Errol, or somebody's going to have to call me and say, Brother Randy, you better come quick. He says, why? The pastor fainted. Or <laughs> 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 maybe Brother Taylor called me somebody. Or Brother Peter or somebody. Somebody called me. <clears throat> pastor's fainted. His wife just fell on top of him. My God. <laughs> <laughs> That they got your best interest at heart. And the vision is much bigger than you see now. And it's not my job to cast vision, but I've seen it out there. And you're going forward. And God is going to bless you. And I just believe this is going to win the best Christmas season you've had. As you worship God together. Keep Him first as you always do. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Lord, you've spoke to us, you've talked to us, and you've shared with us, and even given us some instructions, some kind instructions at the end, and <clears throat> about principles that we could apply in our life. <clears throat> Lord, we're going to do what you say. Now, Lord, we know that you're taking us into a place in the year of 2020. Lord, what kept coming to my spirit, it's not going to be business as usual. But it's going to be different. It's going to be a place that we walk in the spirit in a way like we never have before. And we're going to move into an anointing like we never have before. Because Lord, you've opened this gate, you've opened this door. And we thank you for it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Praise you, Jesus. You may be seated. Hallelujah. There's a lot of changes coming. Good ones. God's requiring more of us. He's requiring more of me and more of my wife. We'll talk about that a little bit more as the year unfolds, but I really believe that God's been dealing with us for months about this, so this is just a confirmation to us. It's not business as usual. If you do business as usual in 2020, you're going to have the same results you've always had. But if you change some things and you seek God, you run at him with with your heart. Things will change for you. I'm telling you, they'll change for you. And... uh, I wasn't going to share this now, it's part of my message coming up in the next couple weeks, but I just want to say one thing. I don't know why I just feel like I need to say it tonight. Um, when he was here in August, he sat with me, we're at the Moxie's restaurant, and he started talking to me about a man that he knows, Pastor David, and uh, years ago, he, his church was very small, lived in a very, very small town church was very small. Nothing seemed to be working for him. And uh, he started to really seek God with all of his heart, ran after God with everything he had. When you run after God with everything he had, your whole life, like your schedule reflects that you're seeking God. It becomes your number one priority. And anyway, God began to add to that church and do supernatural increase to that church. And I made a comment to him as we were sitting there, and I said, it's almost like there was a ceiling that was broken when that pastor began to do certain things. And he, he said, yes. He said, the, 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 the pastor seeking after God broke a ceiling in that church. And I don't know if he remembers, but he, he looked at me and he started to speak by the Spirit. And because uh, at first he had said, I remember very clearly he had said, now I'm not saying that you have a ceiling in your church. You know, Brother Andy is very sweet. He never wants you to feel bad about nothing. So he, you know, he was saying that man had maybe a ceiling. He had to break through. So I'm not saying that. But then a little bit later in the conversation, it's like he got in the spirit. And he said to me, he said, uh, there is a ceiling in your church. And it's going to be broken if you'll do this. I don't know if you remember that, Brother Andy. But I remember it very clearly. Because uh, I wrote it down as soon as I left you. And uh, I don't take that as a, as a negative or as a criticism or as anything like that. I take it as a rescue. I take it as a, as a word of prophecy. I take it as a great word of encouragement. But he said to me, really, what the Lord said, he said it by the Holy Ghost, but what the Lord said to me was, and God's kind, he's not mean to me, but I know what he meant by it. What he was really saying to me is, son, not all the reason, but a big reason why things haven't broken loose yet is because of you. He's not blaming me and it's not only up to me. The people have to do their part too. But the leader and the pastor has to do certain things. It wouldn't matter if that pastor David's staff and yeah, they they'll turn some things because of their seeking God. But if it wasn't for him seeking God, that church would have never experienced the revival they experienced. So there's certain things that the people are required, but there's also certain things that the pastor is required. And I think a lot of pastors are putting all the emphasis and all the trust on the on the prayer team to turn everything, but they're not doing it themselves. And uh, if the pastor will do it and the people will do it, I think there's a there's a certain divine mixture. I don't exactly know what the split is, but I just know the pastor has a responsibility to do certain things In the spirit, I'm not talking about administratively or anything like that. I'm talking about seeking God with all their, with all our hearts, and running after God. The way that man said it, I know he's. uh, I don't know him. Reverend Randy knows him, but the way he said it really rang true with my heart. I don't know if I'm getting it exactly right, sir, but this is what I remember you saying. He said, "I'm so desperate. I'm going to run after God until I hit him, or I'm going to die trying." Is that kind of what he said? I'm so desperate. I'm going to run after God till I hit him or I'm going to die trying because when you're pastoring and it's the same week in and week out and you don't have enough and things aren't working and you're preaching the best sermons you have, but nothing's working. And you know, after a while you just get a bit desperate and you say, God, this is not what they taught me in Bible school. This is not the move of God. This is not revival. What's going on here? I I don't want this, this nothingness. I'm going to have to press into you. That's the key. The key is not going to a conference the key is not going to a church grow seminar. That's what a lot of most people do. That's not the key. The key is not getting a list and the book of all these steps that you do to grow your church or to have a move of God. The key is running into God as desperately as you can and hitting him or die trying. In other words, when, but you, you don't have to say I'll die trying. You know why? Because the Bible says, if you seek the Lord with all your heart, you shall find him. I understand the attitude the pastor had. He was saying, listen, I'm doing this. If it kills me, that's fine with me, but I'm doing it. I understand what he means by that. But we've got a promise. If you seek after God with all your heart, you will find him. And so I just, I just, uh, maybe the Lord wants me to say it on record. Maybe he wants me to say it as an act of humility. I'm not sure because I'm going to be shocking a little bit more about this this coming Sunday and then the last Sunday of the year because of our Christmas service on the 22nd. But I want the congregation to know that if anybody is paying attention to what he is saying, I am chief. I'm paying attention. And I'm making some adjustments. And next year, I can swear by my own blood, it will not look like this year. My life will not look like this next year. My schedule will not look like what it did this year. And that means there's going to have to be a lot of adjustments because the most important thing I can do for this church is not sitting in a counseling room with you. The most important thing I can do in this church is not having meeting after meeting after meeting. You know, with staff and with this and with strategy sessions and with board members. The most important thing I can do is not going to conferences. The most important thing I can do is not traveling and preaching. The most important thing I can do is not going on mission trips. And there's been a season and a time for all that and it's been good. We've sowed a lot of seed this year all over the world. The most important thing I can do is go into my special prayer room. My new home has a special place on our, in our basement area that I've designated as my prayer room. It's, my, it's, it's a small room, but it's, like a, it's bigger than a closet, but not much bigger than a closet. And when I was walking through the house the first time and we were deciding what we were going to do in different rooms, the Holy Ghost said, that's your prayer closet, son. It's a little bigger than a closet, thank God, but it's not much bigger than a closet. And he said, that's where you're going to spend a lot of time, son. You better get comfortable in that room. Better put a carpet down, maybe two. Better get comfortable in there because you're going to be spending a lot of time in that room. I just want you to know, like you haven't heard me say this in the 11 years that we've been here, but I'm telling you there, there is, there are, there are significant changes that are coming because Hebron is about change more than it's about blessing, more than it's about increase. It's about positioning ourselves for what God wants to pour out and what he already has. Like he said, I've already, I've, I've I've got it ready for you. It's hanging over your head, but you can't receive it. So there's going to be changes in my life. There really is. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I just feel like I need to, as we end this service, the last service of the year in terms of with the guest minister present, and I make a commitment to God. I make a commitment on record. I make a commitment to you all. And I, I think it's important that I make a commitment in front of the prophet of God that I submit to, that I respect, and that has been preaching by the Holy Ghost along this line for five nights in a row. As the, if I don't make a commitment, if I don't make a change, i'm not in sin you understand what i'm saying i'm not talking about i'm I'm not in sin i don't i live a clean life you can ask my wife if anybody knows you your wife knows you you can ask my wife i mean i do joke a little bit too much and i I play pranks on her and i kick the dog a little bit that's about the worst (laughs) sin that i do but 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 other than that i mean i live a very clean life overall i do But I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about really beginning to really seek after God. Not out of a legalism, not out of an earning. Oh, I have to prove myself to you. No, I'm talking about Moses, Father... I, I got to know you. I got to, your presence has to come. I got to know your ways. I got to know the path you want us to take. I got to, I got, I got to. See, you got to find the presence before you get the glory. You got, that's step one. Then he shows you the, the glory, which is what we're all talking about. But the presence came before the glory. But a lot of people don't even have the presence, let alone the glory. So, but I'm serious. This is, this is, a, this is a very pivotal moment in my life in a lot of different areas. And so I'm asking you, for those of you that are here, the hungry ones are here tonight. I know some hungry ones are out there too, because they couldn't because of work and they're watching this. So I don't judging anybody or disparaging anybody, but those of you that are present, if, if I'm taking this very, very seriously, I'm encouraging you, please, this is not just another sermon or group of sermons that he's preached. This is, and the, the sermons I've been preaching about Hebron are not just a bunch of messages for you to go, oh, isn't that nice, and forget about it as soon as it's preached. This is a, this is a mark. You know how they brand cattle? They put a fire brand on it. They tattoo them with that thing, and that cattle is forever, that that that, uh, that steer is forever marked for the rest of his life. Everybody knows who that, mark, who he belongs to. This, from November 3rd, when we started talking about this, and he has basically re-preached much of what I've said and added a lot more and brought a lot more revelation to to it but something must stick on us this can't just be another thing that is lost something must brand us this week so that when we look at ourselves on january 1st and hopefully even before january 1st because that's not a magical date but when we look at ourselves we go all oh, right lord i see that brand yeah yeah you marked me yeah lord i'm gonna remember i'm gonna remember i'm gonna put i'm gonna i'm changing i'm changing i'm making sure i seek you more i'm making sure i seek you first like he said, your requirement may be different to mine, but all of us are required to do something. Don't, don't take what he says now and run with that as an excuse. Well, he said, or my requirement, so I don't have to do anything. Everybody is required to do something. Just the volume might be different than what he's required to do or what I'm required to do because God n- understands your schedule. But everybody should still sacrifice and do something more than what they're doing. Same with the building fund offering. Everybody should give but not everybody's gonna give the same amount. But it should be sacrificial for you where you're at because your sacrifice might be different to this person's sacrifice based on your... So everybody should pray more. But how long you pray might be different to this person because your sacrifice might be different. So that's between you and God. Don't let anybody judge you. And don't go talk, talking to people. Oh, I pray for this long and I pray for that long. You should that, That's a pride attitude. The Bible says when you go into, your, go into your closet, don't let anybody know you're fasting. Wash your face. Look good. Don't... Oh, look how spiritual I am. I'm so drawn. I'm so... Th- thin. Look, I've been fasting. Just just be, be normal. Don't tell anybody what you're doing. Don't go tell everybody what you're praying. I'm not going to be telling you how long I pray. It's not about me getting your praise or your affirmation or, or me being proud. It's about me and Jesus. It's about me and God. Guggan, it's about you and God. Yeah. Happy, it's about you and God. And let me tell you something happy. With this, with this thing that God's putting in your hands, you, 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 you got to do what I'm doing. You, I'm not saying you're not, I know you are. In fact, I know you've been doing it more than most people. So I commend you, but you better, you better start to run after God. Lord, if I don't, if I don't hit you, I'll die trying because you're going to hit a sweet spot when you do that. You're going to find, you're going to find, you're going to find a pardon, in God when you do that. And it's going to, and, and your church, I believe that church you're about to take over is going to start to, but, but, it, but it's not going to be because of programs or church growth seminars or reading books. It's going to be because you seek after God with all your heart. So follow your spiritual father because I'm setting the pace and I'm setting the example. I really mean it. And Reverend Taylor, let me say to you, I know you're my associate, but you need to do this more than anybody else in the church other than Jenny and I. You've got to make sure you keep pace and you do this that you begin to seek God more. Because I'm going to be relying more heavily on you, sir, in the future. The, the, and I don't just mean to preach. I mean a reliance in the things of the Spirit. That I, don't, I, I don't quite know how to explain that, but I just know because God's been dealing with my wife and I, there's going to be a, a heavier reliance on him as an associate to carry some things in the Spirit. Not just in the natural, but in the Spirit to carry some things, to help me, to understand. So we're, we're, we're listen, a lot of churches don't talk about prayer. That's because they're full of devils. That's why they don't talk about prayer. They're carnal buckets and they're going on without God. Like he preached tonight, they're going on. that uh, Reverend Greg, Greg. I've never heard anybody say that before the way you said it. What a revelation. So many churches are saying, whether you go or not, I'm going Oh my God, our society is riddled with churches that are saying, whether you go or not, I'm going because this is a corporation and this is a money maker and this is a fame uh, provider. And, and all I'm looking for is numbers and money. I don't really care whether you come or not. I can do it on my own. I'm telling you, if that's the kind of church you want, go find it because it's not this one. We're going to have the power of God, believe you me. We're going to have the glory. We're going to have the miracles, but we're going to get it the right way. We're going to get it the right way. We're going to get it Moses' way. And there are some major changes because Hebron requires something that Ziglag never required. You hear me? So... Take a long, good, hard look, not out of guilt and condemnation, not out of manipulation, but out of a pureness between you and God and say, Father, let me lay my life before you. What am I really, how much am I really spending time with you? How much am I really seeking you? Because whatever I'm doing, whatever that amount is, I need to up it because Hebron requires more. Next year requires more. So Lord, show me what to do. Put it in my heart. Make me willing. If I'm not willing, I'm willing to be made willing. But Lord, I'm going to pick it up this year. Do that with me. Pastor Matthew, you, I know you're doing it. I know you're doing it, sir. But this year is going to be a different year for all of us. And whether your church goes with you or not, and I'm sure they will, but you can't base it on them. You've got to run after God so desperate you're going to hit him or you're going to die trying. That's got to be your attitude. Now, we know we will find him when we seek him with all our heart, so we won't die trying. But that's got to be your attitude come hell or high water, so to speak. I'm doing it. I'm serious, guys. Hallelujah. I don't know why I wasn't planning on saying that, but I, as soon as I stu- took the mic, I heard the Holy Ghost say, make, us, make a confession, make a, make a commitment publicly. And I think it's important that Reverend Greer hears it because I can do it on my own here Sunday morning, but then there's no accountability. You understand? I want to say it in front of him because I, I expect him to hold me accountable to this. When he comes back, I expect him to be able to see a change. And I don't just mean on my, on my belt size That's 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 the lowest rung on the ladder. That'll happen. I'm talking about I expect him to see a change, sense a change and say, "My God, I can sense something's different about this church. Pastor Craig, something's different about you. Oh, I can feel the hunger level rising. I know the people are seeking God. The anointing has gone up, gone up a notch or two or three notches. I expect him because if we're going to do that, the 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 men of God that come here that haven't been here in a while, you know he comes normally once a year. They should be able to tell a difference nine months from now if we're doing this. They should pick that up in the spirit. So, sir, I say this humbly and in accountability to you as an elder in the body of Christ and somebody that God told me to submit to. So, you hold us accountable and you kick me in the in the rear rump. If you see that it's that it's not, I give you authority to do that, sir. If it's not going the way that you think it should go or the speed with which you think it should, I, I give you permission to correct because we, we want to we we <laughs> go up the hill to Hebron. And it is a hill. And if you ever gone up a hill, especially when you're out of shape, when you're halfway up, you know it's a hill. Everything is burning, hurting, and squeaking. Do you understand? It is a little bit of a hill. There's a little bit of a crucifying to the flesh. It might be a little bit hard on the flesh, but it's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, this evening I thank you for these words of grace and truth for all these five services, Father. I thank you for, Lord, for the very beginning, the very first moment he took the microphone and he began to prophesy by the Holy Ghost. And he started saying things that I had said verbatim that morning in the service. Holy Ghost, the master orchestrator, thank you for leading us into all truth. Thank you for showing us things to come. Thank you for the visions you gave him this week. He saw things that are coming in the future. Lord, I thank you for speaking and confirming we are deeply respectful. We are deeply reverent. We are deeply grateful. Lord, we're not just going to hear it and then just continue on. It's not going to be business as usual. There's going to be some changes. We're making them now. For the Father, because I believe you want to pour out your glory. I believe what he prophesied earlier last year when he said a glory center. I believe that that's still your word to us, that you desire this to be a glory center, but we've got to make some adjustments so we can receive it. Lord, we do this. I've been very transparent and humble before the congregation today, letting them know how, how much I recognize that a lot of it rests on my shoulders. As the pastor, I must, I must be qualified. I must, God must approve what I'm doing. And Lord, I know the people must also God, you must approve of what they're doing. Father, we must work together, but Lord, we're making commitments together that there will be a change in our seeking after you this year, more than anything else. It's the most precious and important thing on our agenda, more than extracurricular, more than anything. It's our seeking after you with all our heart, like Moses did. So Father, we thank you. We commit it. We seal it by the blood of Jesus and by the precious Holy Spirit and his anointing. We make this commitment to you. And I thank you that you'll give us the strength to now do it and to keep our word and to make good on that promise. And I thank you that you'll receive all the praise and the glory for it in the name of Jesus.